commence primary ignition. And welcome to episode 166 of the usual podcast a podcast where we discuss all things geek and pop culture i'm your host marshall and with me after i don't know a month and a half or so hiatus is my co-host will what's up buddy how you doing what's up i can see marshall from my house <laughs> <laughs> we could see each other probably but uh we haven't seen each other in a long time so no, not since the last time you went camping yeah i don't know man i, I feel like it's so funny you know you and i text often enough to to know when we're going up and down in yeah. sanity and uh we haven't texted each other much in the last few weeks and i think we've both been kind of just dealing you know and 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 that's so that's the other what, reason that's what we haven't like. done the show either you know and and i know um we actually got a couple of folks asking us on patreon hey i wasn't charged in, in june <laughs> um for the for the for as usual and i'm like Oh, it's because we didn't post a show <laughs> and we have a, we have Patreons currently set to where, you know, uh, it, it charges folks when, uh, when we post exactly. It doesn't charge unless we do shit. Sorry. Do stuff. No, and, shit's fine. I mean, it is shitty. Everything is shitty. And I feel like we're just maintaining and, um, well, it doesn't help and, that we both have shows that we're doing on the, on the side. And so not that oh, multiple projects. <laughs> yeah. Not that, that the usual isn't important to us. It's just, it's not. Because it's so geared to a certain type of community, and yeah. that community is not currently being able to get together, it's a lot harder to focus on that when the other stuff is stuff that we can do very right. remotely and be effective at it. Well, especially if you're talking about you know conventions, exactly. Or movies it's and so TV shows. We're in convention yeah. season, and we talk about movies and TV shows, and nothing new is coming out. And they're also not filming anything either. Exactly. So. So a lot of that news cycle is is in flux right now, and and so we've been sporadic. We've given ourselves um, a little time to kind of get sane again, I think. And mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm about to leave the grid for a week or so um, in a couple of days. So we want to get a show out this month, and we're just gonna play catch up and and deal with what we got. Um, but most importantly, we are just sitting here enjoying our usual frosty beverages. And my favorite time to drink is now, which is day drinking time, which we've done episodes on before. What are you drinking, my friend Will? Uh, since we're day drinking, I just decided to stick with a beer, and which is funny because I said, you know, it's too early to have the rum and coke I was considering, and you're like, is it really? No, and I said, I is like, it? Yeah. And then, <laughs> But then for me, it's like, you know, this is kind of my morning right now, and because of the way my sleeping pattern is going right now, so I'm like, yeah, the morning beer's all right, so I'm having Blue Moon. Nice. Uh, and I changed it up. I actually had one more in my fridge. Um, running out of beer, actually. Um, I I've been drinking a lot of the uh, hazy little thing um, mm-hmm. from Sierra Nevada, but this one I got. It was on sale at the Harvest the other day, and it's from Soma Beer Company, and it's just called uh, Hazy. Um, Soma Hazy. It's good. It's got nice. a really cool. Uh, for those of you benefiting from the video feed, it's got a really cool label as well. So you no, know, I've never hooked you up with one of my fraternity brothers, and he's after the time that you you knew. For the life of me, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Jasper. I think his name is Jasper. And um, he's like a hardcore baseball player. He loves baseball. And he, he doesn't, you know, he's never good enough to like play college or pros or anything. But he plays like semi-pro. Like he plays actual hardball, right? It's not oh, like wow. he plays like City League softball. But he loves his beer. And so his Instagram feed is filled with nothing but like pictures of baseball bats and beers that he drinks. <laughs> 
And nice. so I've, I've, you know, I know, don't know why I've never shared him with you. I've got to share his Instagram feed for you. Um, so you can follow him because he actually does have a lot of really good beer suggestions that you would like. Cause you, you and he like the same sort of crap. Crap. I mean, yeah. Crap. Indeed. Well, harsh words, but anyway, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Uh, and so we're just going to, we're going to get into it, man. And, um, we're going to save all of our contact info and stuff for the back of the show. We're just going to get, I think, right into it. Uh, but first I want to acknowledge, since we did talk about Patreon, um, those folks that have stuck with us, um, we do appreciate that. Thank you for understanding, um, where we're at. I'm sure you're in a place as well. And, uh, so thanks for supporting the show. Um, we will get, you know, we're going to get content out to you guys as well as we can. Um, but but when there's just no content, segue, when there's no content to content about, <laughs> but you know, and as a segue, thank you to everybody who is doing that. Thanks to our drinking buddies, our longtime folks who've been supporting us for years and years and years. Yes, yes, um, yes. We really do appreciate that. But as a segue into what we have been doing and putting most of our effort into, um, I created a section uh, just for shameless plugs. We're going to keep <laughs> it quick. But if you do want to see what we have been doing, because both of us have been pretty darn busy um, on the internet. Um, just not necessarily with this show. Uh, let's let's share with what we've been doing. So, how is your show going, man? Uh, let's bury the lead here, dude. We got to start with your big news, published author. Oh, we're gonna start with that. Okay, whatever. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's been a while. So, I wrote this blog post um, in the wake of the George Floyd um, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and all that. Uh, I wrote a post that was pretty personal, uh, just dealing with uh, race. You know, dealing with being. Uh, black and a mostly white community, small town kind of thing, which is hundred uh, percent where I still am for some reason, your entire life <laughs> in my whole life. Um, so I wrote that as a response to what I've been feeling and how I've been doing. And, um, you can check that out on my website as well. But then, um, my friend, Tim, he works for NBC news, uh, and he threw, uh, gave my, my post to his editor and they decided to pick it up and it, and it was published on NBC news, uh, their think section, which is their opinion section. Um, and it's called Dear White Friends. Thanks for checking in. But no, I am not okay. Fantastically uh, it, written, fantastically edited. They they added some good stuff. Um, very well done, my friend. Thank you. I really appreciate that, man. And so it, it that's been a big focus of mine is is things around that. I was actually in a town hall with uh, Jared Huffman and Karen Bass and and another gentleman talking about race and stuff. And you know, I've been really busy with things like that. Um, you know, my town is in the in the in the midst of a possible name change because we're named after Confederate general, we have all kinds of stuff going on. So, so um, that's kind of where my focus has been. Uh, and then, of course, um, outside of that, I have my other podcast, Just Keep Writing, which has been doing really well. Uh, we brought on Will Ralston, uh, who you've heard on this show as well mm-hmm. before. Um, he's a geek, but he's a writer, and he's just an awesome interviewer, really good guy. And so we brought him on full time. And we have been doing some interviews with authors and our biggest episode, which just released uh, last week uh, is episode 38 and it's called the lady astronaut, Mary Robinette Kowal. We, I was thankful. I'm thankful to have known her for a couple of years now through uh, the WXR retreat. And she's been really great and agreed to come on our show in the midst of actually releasing her book this past Tuesday. And it's been crazy, but nice. the interview's done really well. It, it was really a lot of fun. And then we have, I'm currently editing the Maurice Broadus episode. We, we brought him back on to talk about his new book. Um, so definitely check that out. We have now a Twitter feed and an Instagram and a website as well. So um, I'll try to put all that stuff in the show notes uh, for you folks as well. If you're interested in writing or just in that realm of what I'm doing. 
And on top of that, I was helping organizing a WXR virtual event that just happened um, over the last weekend. And that was a lot of stress. The tech all went to shit when it came down to actually doing the recording, but it is what it is. Uh, so they haven't fired me. So I'm still doing that. So I'm still <laughs> staff over there. And I'm having a lot of fun helping them plan their now probably what's going to be the norm is virtual events. So that's what oh, I'm yeah. I mean, about. seriously, that's what everyone's getting used to now. I mean, you're still yeah. going to have your, what I think is going to be the stuff that's going to get lost is the stuff like Silicon Valley Comic Con, Sacramento Comic Con, you know, all the little ones. Yeah. I think they'll start doing more virtual events. We're not going to lose San Diego. We're not going to lose New York. Right. Um, we're not going to lose Emerald City. You know, none of the big ones. Because they're just it, such fan base stuff, but they might be gone for a couple of years. And do you think? I mean, and and this is what a lot of companies too are realizing too. They're like, wait, we actually don't have to have you all come into the office. Like, we could actually do our jobs from afar. Like, it's kind of that similar realization. It's like we can do these events. We can reach more people. We can do a lot more creative things. That's not queuing up and cramming into a conference center. Um, where you can have dance parties, you can do all these things. And granted, it's weird; it's a little off-putting at times. But at the same time, it's like used to. this is going to be our norm for a couple of years for sure. It is. There's so. a, there's a couple of things I, I, I want to mention here. First of all, I read an article on I want to say it was LinkedIn, and it said like 65 percent of jobs that have gone remote can stay remote. Yeah, there's no reason to do it. And so what it's going to do is actually going to shift some economies. So like. There are some people that have been living in like downtown New York, New York City, that can shift to moving to a cheaper, cheaper area, do yeah. their same work remote, and save so much money. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that, uh, you're going to get people that live in areas like where I live that can start getting remote jobs in like big cities and mm-hmm. be able to make more income than yeah. they would make in a small rural town like we live in. Um, so stuff like that, plus. Um, the, the, the remote stuff is definitely where it's, it's going to be going. I mean, you still want to have some of those major interaction things, but we just have, can't do those yet. Um, right. because I mean, no, you can't get rid of Comic-Con. It's just, it's such no. a thing, but you're going to have, I think you're going to have fewer, um, panel type stuff and you're going to have more event type stuff, yeah. which I think is going to be uh, much more, uh, lucrative for the, for the, the, the businesses. Well, and, and the upside to it, and this is what we're finding with what WXR wants to do ultimately is do more events, uh, on like multiple times a year, you know, with the cruise, you can, you know, that's once a year you're gearing up for it and you're doing it and it's, and it's a whole, you know, all your eggs in one basket. But if you do, you know, two or three virtual events, and then maybe later down the line, we do two or three in-person events, smaller venues, that kind of thing, it might be kind of the way to go, um, considering who knows, I mean, I can't imagine now this happened um, in this way, being our last pandemic. Yeah, well, uh, one thing that kind of works out for you guys on on um, Just Keep Writing is that all three of you guys live in very different geographic areas. So, like, you could have an event here in the North Coast, and then Nick can have an event in Utah and then yeah. Will can have an event in New York, you know? So, and that's something that we've been talking about too. Like, you know, WXR is their own thing, but like 
we want to do we want to do things for our podcast as well and being able to do meetups like we did with San Diego Comic-Con last year we invited some folks out to have you know a meetup with us and stuff like that and that was a lot of fun so exactly and so this will actually tie in tie into what I'm doing is I finally even though I I launched it a year ago and I've been doing daily posts with daily dose of disney um I've actually finally started doing the the podcasting um so I and how's I going? it's different it is. It is really different because I do the editing and everything. And honestly, it's, it's, I, I, I'm sure they're kind of a mess, but, um, legit, I mean, editorially. But the thing is, is it honestly takes me about half an hour to prep each episode. I mean, I do daily episodes too, Monday yeah. through Friday. And so it takes me about a half an hour to prep and about 15 minutes to record and edit. Yeah. And I don't really like second guess myself. Like I'll, I'll re-record a certain section if I really flood my words or something, but like, it's really like, I just have audacity open. I read from my script input, uh, stop it, import some audio, cut it in, start yeah. reading again, stop it, get it. And so it's, it's a different way than what I'm sure the way that you edit, where you add in all the bumpers and stuff later, I just do it as I go. And yeah. it's really kind of a, a kind of a freeing way to do it where I know I can like, even if it's a day I don't want to record all of a sudden 15 minutes later, I'm done. Yeah. And so, so that's what I do. And so um, a couple things about that is I just uh, released episode 12 today. And this is actually something that's going to tie into just keep writing okay. is one of the, cause I've, I basically talk about the main event on a day, the birthdays on a day, the what I call the happy haunts on a day, which are the, the people that passed away on this day in history, the things that premiered on this day, which are TV shows, books, movies, um, uh, CDs, stuff like that, and things that opened on this date. So it could be uh, attractions, hotels, theme parks, stuff like that. Well, today for episode 12 was for uh, for July 16th, and one of the guys who had a birthday today is a guy named Dave Gells, and he is a Muppeteer. And he does the Muppet characters of Gonzo and Bunsen Honeydew. And he actually took over uh, Statler and Waldorf from Henson when Henson died. And so he basically has been doing those for decades, right? Uh Um, And and I actually, just to kind of see who he is, I I rewatched the the old Jim Henson funeral song of one person. And he's actually on there doing Gonzo. He's on stage. He's like one of the four first people on stage because he's been with the company forever but it was really funny as i i posted it and everything and then i got a like on i can't remember if it was twitter or instagram or which one i posted on but i got a like from a woman named deborah gels and i'm like okay this has got to be a relative or something so i started looking into her and it turns out it's his wife and she used to be an executive at henson um really media or whatever but now she does her own writing and stuff she's an author and award-winning and stuff and so i thought you know she liked my stuff she is following me now i'm like i'm gonna reach out to her and see if dave wants to do an interview with me and if they want to and if she wants to do an interview with you so that's awesome so i'm gonna reach out to her next week um but but my first major episode is gonna be tomorrow episode 13 and it's the biggest episode because it's july 17th which is the 65th anniversary of disneyland opening up and so that's huge man that's huge it is. So it's going to be, I mean, I, I don't have a huge following so far. I have three patrons. Good. That total 30 bucks. So I'm already making like 360 bucks a year. That's great, man. But, <laughs> um, which, you know, not a ton, but it, it's great that I have this following and it's, yeah. I mean, but I only, and I'm only getting like 10 listens a day or something like that so far, but it'll start building because I'm not even on yeah. iTunes yet. I'm hoping to be on iTunes next week. 
right now yeah. basically on Spotify. It takes and- a while for iTunes. They they drag their feet a bit. It's a yeah. weird process. And so I'm on basically I'm on Spotify and Podbean right now, and that's basically all I'm on. So, um, but what well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to cut you off, and I'm going to say congratulations. You've been talking about this for a long time, and it's I was like, just make sure you're ready because daily podcast is not easy to do. Uh, you know, as far as prepping and editing, and I mean, listen to Ralph Garman for all these years. I mean, or for the last couple of years. I mean, that's you know, and his show is. You know, oh, an hour weird. plus every day, but uh, and but he I'm, I'm stoked for you, man. Is, it's great. Yeah, I realize I'm probably going to need a co-host at some point um, because it just feels like me. It's it seems like it's rapid fire, yeah. and of me just listing off stuff, and it would just be kind of nice to have a back and forth. But we'll see what you know what happens later on. But well, what I'm really my suggestion like, to you on that would be to um, maybe once a week have someone on to talk about a particular topic. You know what I mean? Or and it could be just you know, the same person or you can rotate people or something like that. And like, you know, if there's something in particular you want to talk about, I mean, I'm happy to come on and hang out with you for a little bit. Um, but one more thing on my plate right now, I was texting you the other day. I was like, I don't think I could pull that off. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, uh, on the, on the, as I, like I said, I'm, I'm going to talk to Dave Gels and see about bringing him in for an interview. There's other people I'm got on the hook that I'm trying to bring in for interviews. It just, it might take a while. Yeah, so, it'll take a bit. Yeah, you know, I want to, you know, maybe once I'm in for a month or so, it'll, you know, I'll start to get a little bit of a following and I can actually start pushing this stuff. But of course, I'm going to reach out to like Darren DePaul and stuff like yeah. that, see if he wants to be on. But anyways, one thing I've, I've, I've focused on doing is that every month I have a themed, uh, a monthly theme. And of course, for this month, it's Disneyland. And so what I do is we, we're also, whoever wants to, is we're reading a book. And so right now we're reading Three Years in Wonderland. It's the oh. about the three years that it takes to build the, to, that it took to build Disneyland. Next month, the theme is going to be Silly Symphony, since we're going to be reading a book that's a companion to the Silly Symphony cartoons. That's so awesome. stuff, stuff like that. But we also do uh, viewing parties. And so I'm still trying to work this out. The logistics didn't work out the first time we did it. Um, but we watched the premiere, uh, the grand opening of Disneyland and oh, tomorrow nice. night, we're going to try to watch the Disneyland after, after dark special, which aired in 1962 when Disneyland was really trying to push their nighttime stuff and had like Annette Funicello and Bobby Rydell. And there was the very first TV appearance, uh, appearance of the Osmonds and had Louis Armstrong and, and all this stuff. So we're going to be doing stuff like that. So next month when we do silly symphonies, you know, there's like 40 silly symphonies. And so we'll watch like 10 a week as we cool, go get together and we'll have like a half an hour of watching 10 silly symphonies. So it'll be like that in every month that rotates where we'll have a new book and we'll have new viewing parties and stuff. Um, ultimately I want to do something like what Ralph Garman does where there's a cocktail party once a month where we all get together and we have like Disney inspired creations. It'd be awesome, man. Exactly. It sounds, it sounds great. I'm, I'm stoked for you. Like I said, it's, it's a heck of a, um, undertaking, to you know to tackle in general but like it's creating content and this is something that i teach because that's literally what i'm teaching my students is just the joy of creating content and doesn't matter the level of consumption or or the work put into it or whatever that is as long as it's what you want to be creating that's that's all that matters and that's what's important exactly and the big thing is is it's actually now is the time to do it because with so many people stuck at home there's so many and there's a dearth of content of no movies no TV yep. shows, no nothing. Many more people are, are following online shows and podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, and pretty soon, you know, like I say, if if what's the current trend is what's going to be happening, where 
we're going backwards again. Uh, we're going to be out of content at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, at some point Netflix isn't going to have anything new to put up and, and that kind of thing. Cause they haven't been able to film. I don't know how desperate they are yet, but, um, a lot of these streaming services and stuff are trying to take advantage and get people to do stuff from their homes and that kind of thing. And that's, and that's really important right now because what else do we have? You know, um, you know, when you, when you have shows like Saturday night live and stuff, <laughs> you know, and Trevor Noah doing, you know, going from home. I mean, that's, what else? Exactly. What else can you do? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like one of the shows that I I watch, it's one of my guilty pe- pleasures, is the the MTV The Challenge. Oh, right? really, <laughs> dude? I've been watching that for decades, and because uh, I remember watching when um uh you know it was a real world road rules challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And so um and the funny thing is they had the season finale last night, and uh, an old school guy won, which was phenomenal. I loved it. That's and, cool. Um, but they, but you know, next week is the reunion show, which is usually like, like Survivor, except for it's more like Real Housewife trap because it's all these people in their twenties who were stuck in a house for weeks, getting drunk all together, and then having drama, and then they've got to be on stage and talk about this drama. Well, now I watched the 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 trailer for next week's reunion show, and they're all on camera. Like I can just shut my laptop right now if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, uh, this is the drama it. I love. That's great. Uh, so let's use your uh, Disney-ness uh, to segue into uh, our next section, man. Let's just talk about, we're going to talk about, I kind of, I made up weird titles earlier because I was in weird mood. Um, so you in a weird I, mood? No way. I know, right? So I called this Park News in COVID Times is what <laughs> I've decided to call this segment today. Um, and because, you know, Disney World now has been open for a week. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's almost like loving the time of cholera. <laughs> oh man, I missed this. Okay, so anyway, Disney World's been open about a week. Yes. Um and and from what I understand from the other podcasts and stuff I listen to as well is is it's it, they're doing all the things they're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, and it seems to be okay. But what's not okay is the fact that Florida is the epicenter of the resurgence of COVID right now. Exactly. So, what does that mean for Disney World? I can't imagine. I do have an article in here um that says the probability of of Disney World having to close again is pretty high. Oh and, yeah, it, well it's definitely going to have to close again. Eventually. I mean, if 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 there are states including California that are closing restaurants again, in-person dining, um, you know, and bars and stuff uh, as well and gyms and that kind of thing. Um, but in the epicenter of the resurgence, like Disney World can maintain for a bit because they're doing the right things. But at some point, when do you just say this is it? I have a few points on this thing. Uh, and they actually touch a couple of different ideas within the whole concept. Okay. First thing I'm going to do is because I'm part of the whole, it's called this Twitter community, which is Disney Twitter. There's yeah. seriously, there are like, and there's some toxic people in there. It drives oh, me I have no doubt. And it's a really weird little sub community. Um, and a whole bunch of them live in the Orlando area and like they are, they're excited that the park is open again. But then the funny thing is, is they go in there and a whole bunch of them take pictures about how empty it is. And they're like, this is like pointless. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's gotta be empty because you have to have social distancing. You've got to have minimum, uh, requirements for, for percentages of, of, of attendance and stuff like that. 
But isn't then, that secretly the dream though when you go to a Disney park is that it's not crowded? I don't think everything has things you want to do. Has like a five minute wait. It's like ridiculous, right? And um, then a whole bunch of people have been posting pictures this last week about everybody buying out everything space uh, Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain, yep. And you're like, you don't know, is this Disney buying stuff or is it racist buying Splash Mountain stuff? And so it's really, you don't know where to think about that. Yeah. You really don't know where to go with it on that. And so, um, so that's been kind of interesting to see it from that point of view. Another way to look at right now, the percentage of, of, uh, people catching in Florida is huge. It's like, you know, worldwide, it's been like 5% or something like that. And in Florida, it's like closer to like seven or eight or something like that. I can't, I don't know the exact number, so I don't want to quote them. And it'll change tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is what else is going on in Orlando right now? What's happening at Disney World is that they're trying to open up the NBA season and the MLS seasons. And they're being done at the World of Sports Complex at Disney World. And so I love the idea on the books. When they first started, when I heard about this, I love the idea of getting all the teams down in one spot doing all the proper precautions, you know, everybody competing there. Um, that, that seemed like a good plan. It's as long as people, and somebody said, I, I was listening to around the horn yesterday and it was great um, because everyone calls it the bubble. Once you get in the bubble, you're not supposed to leave the bubble. And right now there's about 322 people that are in or 322 players that are in sequestration for the bubble um, for the NBA. And they had, I think three positive tests. So they're about 1%, which is a great, percentage but still like three of those people there yeah of those three people two are on the same team so if two out of 12 are on the same team and they get sick do you have to send the team home do you have to sequester the team what's going on and what what does that mean for the season too and how is that fair for the other people competing right yeah for the for the nba it's a little bit weird because they only have eight regular season games left and they're going straight into the playoffs so once they get to the playoffs then they're going to cut these teams in half most of them are going away so it'll, and then like every other, every week after that, it's going to be half as many people. You know what I mean? So that right. is, it's going to get better as it goes along. What you really can't have is just have an outbreak, right? But what's happening is you have these multimillionaire players who aren't used to being told what to do that all of a sudden they can't go and do stuff. And so, you know, a they're lot of gonna, them are very young with a lot of money and want to be out doing stuff. Right. And if they're, if they're with families, they want their families with them. If they're not with families, they want companionship and you mm-hmm. can't. You know what I mean? You just can't do that with the bubble. They're young and they don't want it's just so it's it's really frustrating that that's and it's happening in Florida right now. And so the, the that's where it's all going. It's it's kind of frustrating and I'm just I don't get me wrong, I love sports. I'm a lifelong sports fan of all sports. I mean, even like say NASCAR, even with all the crap going on with that, I watched NASCAR with my dad growing up because he always watched yeah. the Daytona five hundred and in the Indy I used to love the NASCAR video games back in the day. I'd watch it sometimes, but I I I don't know. There was something about racing cars. It was cool. And then, you know. It's so funny. After the whole Bubba Wallace stuff was going on, I rewatched Days of Thunder. Oh. And yeah. so much wrong crap going on in that movie. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> it's funny. Some things don't age well, right? (laughs) No, and it's not, and there's nothing inherently wrong about the movie itself. It was about the fact that, you know, NASCAR in the 90s had a whole bunch of Confederate flags and it had a whole bunch of white Mm -hmm. people and not very many black people in the movie at all. Right, right. Actually, I can't think of seeing one black person in the entire movie. No, there probably wasn't. No. (laughs) It's like Friends, It, it, it got rid of all the black people in New York. 
Right. Okay. Here's one of my favorite stories. I don't know if I've ever told you this. This is a little sidebar. Us doing a sidebar. No way. I was just going to say the same thing. Continue. Okay. But you've seen the movie Notting Hill, right? Sure. With Hugh Grant and Julia yeah. Roberts. Let's, whatever. Let's just say I've seen it. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a working title picture. It's written by a guy named Richard Curtis who wrote like Four Weddings and a Funeral and Love Actually. Well, he actually directed Love Actually, but he wrote Notting Hill. And Notting Hill was directed by somebody else. And I'm drawing a blank on who it is for some reason. For some reason, my cat will not stop clawing underneath my desk. I'm not going to cut that. I don't I don't expect <laughs> you to because everybody's dealing with their pets having to deal with them being at home all the time now. Oh, my God. Speaking of cats, there was a cat in my backyard today. I know. The family's acting like they're trying to adopt a cat. I'm like, no, we're not adopting a cat. No. This cat has to belong somewhere. Come on. You know, it's, it's, it's like Discus is like, this is my apartment. What are you doing here 24-7 yeah. now? Why you, are you always here? <laughs> you used to leave for like 12 hours a day. Where are you, why are you here all the time now? And why are you ignoring me now that you are here? <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So, anyways, going back to this whole thing about Notting Hill and race, it's like there's like no black people in Notting Hill, oh. right? And there's a, a black um, uh, DJ in in London, and he said he, like, tongue-in-cheek congratulated Richard Curtis for removing all the black people from London <laughs> for the movie Notting Hill. It's like that must have been excruciating to just remove them from the backgrounds and stuff like That's that. Tough. Yeah. Uh, so what did he do? Richard Curtis gave him a bit part in Love Actually, but it's like oh my a God. douchebag DJ. So if you've ever seen Love Actually, he's the DJ who's playing at the wedding and he's playing like puppy love and stuff like that. Oh, that's great. And then of course in Notting Hill, there was a couple of black actors that actually had speaking roles and stuff. So, so back to race, we might as well just go there. Cause I, I didn't put this in the show outline, but I really want to talk about it. Uh, the retheming of Splash Mountain is what we forgot to put in here. That was the big news. I that was, was thinking the big about. news we forgot. Yes. And so let's let's talk about that for a minute because this is something that has been in the works because I I mean I do listen to other Disney things and follow Disney news too and this is something that they've been talking about for at least a year or two maybe um possibly retheming Splash Mountain um and now of course with everything else going on uh you know renaming you know uh army bases for example uh, that are named after Confederate generals and you know taking down some of these monuments and stuff like that um, it makes sense. And then, of course, the recent news of the Washington Redskins finally uh, letting go of that name um, for the reasons I don't think people realize, but it is what it is. Their sponsorship started to say, we're not going to support the team anymore. So they decided, okay, we'll do it. But people have been after them for decades. But that's a side oh, note. Literally decades. <laughs> decades. Um, but Splash Mountain, um, which I love the ride. I do. But I'm also, every time I ride it, I am reminded of of where this this world is centered and what is going on in this in this uh, story, right? You know, it, it's so funny. I mean, I, as a historian, I've always known the concept of Splash Mountain. What is, but I cannot have that visceral feeling that I'm sure you have when you go through. It's like, hey, let's put a ride in my favorite part, place in the country that takes me on a tour of the antebellum South. Yeah, it's it's brutal, man. Um, but I really, I think the way they're going with it. And I love the ride. It's one of it's one of my family's favorite rides. The music's great. It's it's fun. Um, but again, there's just this always been this nagging part of me that it's just like, why did they do this? You know what I mean? And how is this still okay? You know? Yeah. Okay. This is where I want to get a little bit into the history of theme park type stuff, right? 
you have a couple of different things when you're building a an attraction, right? You're either building an attraction that from its bones to its facade is what it is and what it's supposed to be, right? And it's completely designed for that. And you get something like that in, um, say, Indiana Jones. Uh, you get that in um, Space Mountain. You get that in, in Big Thunder Mountain, stuff like that, right? Right, right. Then you get something that's pretty much like a skeleton that you can put different skins on, for lack of a better term. And that is something like It's a Small World or mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's basically a boat ride that you put in different types of things, right? Splash Mountain is the same sort of thing. It's a flume ride. Then Disney wanted to get a flume ride. That's what they wanted. Right. They said, okay, we have a flume ride. What theme can we put on it? Well, the only area we have right now that we can really put something that size at this point that's construction ready is Critter Country. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, it's all these things. It's like all these little things about logistics lead to the theme instead of a theme leading to logistics. And I totally get that. And and they didn't, you know, Uncle Remus is nowhere to be seen. It's only the animated characters. It's it's pretty superficial, the story. Right. Itself, and that's the reasoning. You know? that they, they needed a superficial reason for it. And even most of the characters, um, all the main characters you see down the riverboat are taken from America Sings. Right. Right. And so, and actually, this is a funny story, is America Sings had closed down just a couple years earlier. And so they, they had all these animatronic characters over there and they said okay well let's just put new costumes on them and shove them over and actually we didn't even have to put new costumes on most of them let's just shove right, them over it, to yeah. yeah let's just shove them over to in america sings even though i loved it, it in and of itself it's problematic when it comes to oh yeah race relations it. too <laughs> so they moved those over and then the funny thing is you know what they did with with two or three of the the animatronic robots they completely removed the skins and just had the robots and put them in as the robots at star tours Oh, that's great! I love it. Uh, and so, so that so the ones are like that are moving droids down. Like when you're in your in the queue, and yeah, you see the, the moving robots. Those are old uh, America Sings animatronics that just had the skin removed. And that's one of the things I do love about the Imagineers and and Disney in general is they repurpose things and they and they and they find other ways to do things and keep with the theme. And it's great. And I and I do like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's time. And I think now is the time to for Disney, which they've already done is say, Hey, by the way, we have been working on this for a while and we've been, we've buried the lead really deeply at this point. They're retheming. If you haven't heard already, they're retheming star, um, star tours, uh, splash mountain as, um, uh, Tiana, uh, Prince and the frog. Exactly. Which is, I think perfect for it's right near New Orleans square critter country. It's, it's a great location. I I, I can't really remember the, the the layout of, of magic kingdom and Disney world, but for Disneyland, it's perfect because it's not even critter country anymore. I mean, it is kind of critter country, but it's really not. They took the country bears out. They took out the, the, all the stuff, everything that's not splashed around over in that area is all Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Right. It's the Winnie the Pooh ride. It's the Briar Patch store. It's all that stuff. Right. I'm wondering, and I think it might be a good time to actually retheme Critter Country. I mean, there's nothing there. You're right. There's really nothing there except Winnie the Pooh, that those shops and a couple restaurants, not restaurants, a couple of, uh, you know, walk up eatery deals and, yeah, and Splash Mountain. That's really all that's there. What they really should do is they should retheme it as a hundred acre wood and start putting in a couple more, uh, Winnie the Pooh universe type stuff, right? Like yeah, that'd be great. Put in a, a Tigger bounce house, you know, something like that, like something yeah. small, 
another store something because there's there's some, there's some square footage back there what they need to do is take splash mountain out of the hundred acre wood um if you notice the, the entrance square. to it is way down in the in the hundred acre wood area well the quarter country area if there's any way that they could like create like a new queue because the whole even though the entrance is there the queue area forms all the way up at the top of the hill right and that's right. and that's basically that's new orleans square that's just just past Haunted Mansion. Um, you know it's Haunted Mansion, right really. past the exit to Haunted Mansion right. so what they could do is if they just create something on the facade that puts that makes that all indoors just like puts a shell on it that makes the whole outdoor plus it gives you shade in the hot area because that's always a hot line to stand in it is put that into shade put a shell on it and theme the inside as walking into a bayou and, and i wonder if the you entrance re- the, yeah, yeah. put the entrance up at the top of the hill and all of a sudden you're in new orleans square and it totally makes sense because you're in the bayou that's a much better idea too honestly you can read i mean and i love when they have the heavily themed cues anyway and i remember back when splash mountain opened because we were that old um, when Splash Mountain opened, the length of those lines standing in line in the summertime, it was brutal. So, I mean, oh, if totally. you're going to have those lines again when it reopens, so you might as well retheme it and have it start in New Orleans Square because, I mean, it, it fits the theme. And I'm really yeah. glad that they went with this theme. Um, there was some other ones bandied about. I know I've heard um, there was some uh, having to do with like, you know, Robin Hood and stuff like that. But I think... Um, this is perfect. Obviously, you're replacing a racially problematic theme ride with the only black <laughs> princess in 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 uh, in Disney. So I think that's perfect. Right. Absolutely. So, um, and it's just it's a property that Disney didn't have in 1988 and 89 when they were creating the 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 ride. If they ever needed to, for instance, to retheme, say, uh, Expedition Everest mm-hmm. in Florida, they could easily retheme that as like Mulan or something like that because it yeah, takes sure. in Nepal as it is, it's close to China. They right. could retheme it as Mulan. And you have top. options at least. Exactly. Um, I, I think Mulan is way beyond time for having an, an attraction of her own, anyways. I agree. I love that movie. I mean, it's it is, a great. I mean, we need to, we need to embrace the more diverse characters that we've had and i mean that's why i'm glad they went with tiana instead of robin hood because like it's like okay hey we have a whole land of fantasy land that's based on european and english characters we really need to have a robin hood in attitude even though i love robin hood don't get me wrong my favorites i'm with you but yeah embrace the diversity Mm -hmm. so let's circle back really quick before we get too sidetracked and and so let's talk about uh just to close out the disney section of this uh the reopenings and uh downtown disney i have an article in here that uh they have a phase reopening going on with downtown disney uh that was earlier in the week but my fear is that that may have shifted or by the time you hear this may have shifted because california is in the midst of shutting down restaurants and stuff again yeah well the one perk that downtown disney has is because it is a completely uh outdoor walkway is that they could do and this is i don't know if you've been following what they've been doing in san louis but they actually shut down higara street in san luis Obispo for because you have less people on the road anyways so what they did they shut it down to traffic and they built like little wooden daises out into the street that restaurants have outdoor seating now that's perfect. And I love it. like exactly it was called 
outdoor slow or slow go or something like that. Well, and then there was that, there was always that side street too. Um, it connected Hygera and uh, the street that um, Madison's was on. Uh, and it was that little walkway and there was that, there was that spot. I used to get salads all the time, but they had some restaurants down like an, almost like an alleyway. Oh yeah. Court street. All of, yeah, but all of them had outdoor seating as well. So exactly. That that's, that's a little bit, a little bit tight. Right, we went mm-hmm. to six foot, but when you close down a road like Hygera, it would right. Be, right. So with downtown Disney, it's big that they could still do the outdoor seating. Or if you go to like the restaurant that we went when we were there, uh, where did we go for when we went for your birthday? What was the restaurant? It was um, we were taken out oh, we Stone taken, Brewing. Yeah, we were taken through the restaurant. And we were taken to the patio outside. You could still yeah. do that and right, still right, have right. seating like. Right in front of Stone Brewery, you had that huge area where you could put like 20 tables out there. Mm-hmm. So you have ways around it to still stay within the guidelines. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think, so that's, so that's California. Uh, we've kind of talked about Florida a little bit. I think they're going to have to go back. Uh, Disney World, I think, is probably going to end up having to close for sure. Yeah. And don't, even though and, as of two days ago, no, as of yesterday, I have an article in here that says the phase reopening of Walt Disney World continues. With Epcot and Hollywood Studios, so they're opening the parks, but I think they're going to have to close again. Yeah. Well, it just depends on if we get any if it becomes a hot spot because even though Florida as a whole is going up, as well as long as people aren't getting sick at the parks, continue. You know, if what you're doing is is making the business viable, then I, I see no reason to stop it. But as somebody who actually had plans to go to Disney World in, in uh, December, we've pushed it back to next year. Um, yeah, we've already sense. done it. We've already talked to our travel agent. We're pushing it back to 2021 for the big thing is it's now the 50th anniversary of Disneyland opening because yeah. that opened up in 1981 or 71. So, yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing for next year. That sounds, that sounds like a good plan, man. I'm really glad you guys decided to do that. Honestly. Yeah, me too. All right. What else? What, let's talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. Let's go on to our, our usual roundup. And so right. uh, let's talk about some stuff that's coming out on streaming. Uh, there's some news. Um, well, I'm going to let you take the one on Amazon because that's your show, even though I was the one that found it and I told <laughs> you about it. Well, yeah. And I, and I, and when you texted me, I, things on Nerdist started popping up and it, it was cracking me up and I love this idea. So the Amazon is going to, is in, is developing a fallout uh, TV show. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the fallout series, it's one of my favorite series from Bethesda. And um, I think this is a great choice. The world is huge and um, they've had four or five games uh, in that universe. And uh, I think it's gonna be great. And I'm really excited to see where they go with it. Uh, Amazon has been doing a really good job in my opinion. And I think they've been beating out, uh, you know, Netflix and some of the others in some of their original programming. And I'll talk about this later, but some of the shows I've been watching that I've been obsessed with are Amazon original shows and they're freaking brilliant. And they're, the storytelling is top notch. It doesn't even, it, it's not even about special effects. It's about world building and it's about storytelling. And they're absolutely. killing it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely killing it. I, I completely agree. Um, the, the, the tricky part with this is they can announce all they want, but it's live action. Right. So they're not going into production anytime. When are they filming it? That's a different story. <laughs> exactly. And so that's where we actually get into our Disney Plus section where we have two shows that are that have been announced and one can go forward because it's animation and you can do animation in a sequestration type of period and yeah. one the live action and you can't so well what i love about well not what i love what i think is interesting about what's going on in the world right now too is this can be a really nice resurgence for 
brilliant animated storytelling and movie making and show making because you can get the voice actors to do it from their homes. If you have the right setup, they can come into the studio and record their ends of it and the animators can work. I mean, it can be done and done really, really well. And I think that's the first announcement we're going to talk about is a Star Wars property. Go ahead. No, I'm leaving that one to you. Okay. Yeah, no. So the Clone Wars, um, which I'm still behind on, but my kids are watching it with me, which I'm excited about. You're nice. in season two or three right now. And um, I've been waiting, honestly. And I have friends that are like, you haven't watched the Clone Wars. I'm like, you know what? This is something like Rebels um, and Resistance that I want to watch with my kids and my right. family. And we're if there's a lot to go through still. I really like it. But the Clone Wars ended officially. Um, but a new spinoff show is been has been announced this last week, and it's called Clone Wars: The Bad Batch, and this has to do with a clone troop that is um, different than the other clones and the and their adventures. And and I'm I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be wonderful. So, yeah, I think the the big question about the group is: Are they designed without the chips for Order sixty six? I think that's the big question that they're going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, that ties into all the storytelling in the universe that's already been present, um, and it expands on on things that. Uh, and this is what I love about the Star Wars universe: it doesn't have to be about the Jedi, it doesn't have to be about Force users, you know, which is which we saw in the Mandalorian for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, there are there are countless stories to be told, uh, given the world that Lucas created. So I think and this, this is, is where I was really bummed with with the the soft reception that Solo got is when you because they introduced the Black Sun, which we've as Sotor fans have known for years. Oh, we've been wanting that forever. <laughs> I know, right? And then to find out that the Black Sun is actually being controlled by by Maul, dude, give me an hour long crime yeah. drama about the Black Sun. Yeah, that's all I want right now. <laughs> and right, how more Maul, would, more Black Sun. <laughs> how incredible would that be? That'd be um, great about the seedy underworld with the crime, and it'd just be wonderful. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could just, you can picture it being in like the, the boiler districts of Coruscant or, you know, the, the city nightlife of Nar Shaddaa oh, or, man. you know, the, to see Nar Shaddaa on the big, on the small screen in a TV show format, I would just love in live action. I know we've seen it in, in, uh, in the animated stuff, but it would just be so good. Or like spies crawling through the, the, the shipyards of Corellia or, <laughs> or, you know, like seeing the, the ranker pits in a, in a, in a hut palace on Hutta, you know, there's so many set pieces that you could, that are just like, and I just came with like those four off the top of my head that would just be right. brilliant for the first season. And I think, and I mean, obviously they know this, but at the same time, like, we need more of it sooner rather than later. Like, honestly, I know filming live action stuff is not a thing right now, but, um, but the Mandalorian was so well done. Um, so and well something, done. and something that they could make so much money off of in the future if they do it right. And they have the, they have the storytellers, they have, they have what they need. It's just a matter of time, honestly, the when the world plus, writes itself, the big right? plus is they got all the principal photography done for Mando season two done Thankfully. before the, the shelter in place. And so they've just been doing all the post-production stuff, which you can do. Yeah. And so that's still going to be coming out in October, I think. So I can't I'm wait. Excited. I cannot wait. So, yeah. So the other one is I'm huge about because I still remember in 2004, I was living up in Washington and every year for my birthday, um, I chose to take when, okay, it's funny. When I was living near you, every year for my birthday, we went to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And um, we would go to ESPN Zone for my birthday, and we it was just a lot of fun, right? When I was living up in Washington, I took all my family would go to a movie together, right? And I remember we went and saw 
um, King Kong. We went and saw oh one of the Lord of the Rings movies. Another one was Harry Potter. Well, in two thousand four, I was like, okay, um, the the Tuesday before it came out, the soundtrack for National Treasure came out. Oh, and nice. so of course I got the soundtrack because I love scores and I was listening to it over and over again like that, that week. And so I'm like, all right, Friday, we're going to see national treasure for my birthday. And so we all loaded up on my mom's crown Vic and we <laughs> went to go see national treasure and we all loved it. And then the 2007 sequel came out and it was pretty good. Yeah. I'm still built a little bit more on the world and, and it totally set up a sequel and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And then he had the, the writer strike and he had all this stuff happen and it just, it kept getting pushed back. Now it's 13 years later. I was going to say, now it's 2020. <laughs> it's not, yeah, 2020, 13 years later. And Disney Plus finally announced a couple months ago that they are not only writing a, a National Treasure 3 that's going to have Nick Cage in it and everything, but they're actually doing a National Treasure TV show. Um, that's going to be more based towards kids, which actually I don't know if you recall, but when the movies came out, they had a series of books mm-hmm. and there was like <laughs> called the Gates family mysteries or something like that. And it was all about the different people in the history of the Gates family going through their adventures. That's perfect. And and, and I don't know if that's that, what the show's going to be like, but that's, it's going to be coming on Disney plus And I think 2022 is what they but said. I'm glad you said that because uh, we watched the first two flicks with the kids and they love them. And we actually watched them couple months ago actually right around quarantine time we were just finding movies that were like oh we should watch that one day and we watched and the kids love and they're like is there another one and i'm like and i looked it up i was like i thought there was because i remember them talking about having another Mm -hmm. one but not yet so i can't wait for all this it's gonna be well you can get them the books so you should look into the books because your kids are readers and they would love those yeah i ever saw them for sale was at target for some reason and i know but i'm sure you can find them online so, so that's great. One, I have a suggestion for you. And actually this was on one of my daily dose of Disney episodes a couple of days ago was the anniversary of Sorcerer's Apprentice. Nice. Yep. Which came out in 2010. It was after the, the national treasure movies, but again, it started Nick cage and it, it was done by the director of the national treasure movies. And so it has Perfect. that same sort of vibe. You know what I mean? So that might be one that you guys might, might like to watch together. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that's it for streaming. Let's go ahead and talk about TV time. What have you been watching? Yeah, I've been watching all kinds of stuff, <laughs> as you can see from my list. So well, you brought up upload like every time we've recorded a video, like the last three months. Oh, really? Have we talked about it already? Yeah, a couple times. All right. Well, fine. Then I haven't been. I just was fine. You know what? <laughs> I will tell you, upload is fantastic. Yeah. Did you actually watch it finally? Finally, I watched it the first week it came out. Yeah. I think I was the one that told you about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kate told me about it because she saw it. She saw a trailer or something. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's great. So, no, it's, seriously, it's like it's it's like uh, um, oh, what's the the show with uh, Ted Danson? You're thinking of Good Place. Yeah, it's like the Good Place crossed with Black Mirror. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great show. I really like it. But obviously, it's, I've talked about it before, so I won't talk about it again. I couldn't <laughs> remember the last time we spoke. So fine. Uh, no, but the wife and I've been we've been watching several different things. Um, there's a couple of shows that we need to finish still. Um, we were watching a lot of TV with the kids each night. We kind of, you know, watch a few episodes of something. Right. Right. Um, but after they go to bed, uh, we've recently watched homecoming, which is that's, that's one of Julia Roberts, right? It's one with Julia Roberts. And it was the one I was, at, and this is the reason I was saying earlier on why Amazon, I think is outpacing some of the other streaming services right now, as far as original programming, because things like homecoming, um, absolutely brilliant. It's, it's the pacing is, 
the pacing I think is going to be interesting. It might throw some folks the way that they've shot things and how the scenes drag out and how they not drag out, but at the end, um, the credit sequence comes at the end and it's kind of overlaid on like a mundane thing that's happening in the world. But I, in my opinion, as a storyteller, it kind of expands the world and just shows like, this is still happening even though the credits are rolling, you know, and it's really kind of a cool concept, but check it out. It's really, really good. It has cool. to do with PTSD and veterans coming back from war, uh, conspiracies and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Uh, the other thing again, Amazon is hunters. Have you watched this? That's the one about the, uh, the setup of the behavioral crime unit at the FBI. And it's where they're like the whole first season. I remember the first season. I, I watched the first season. The first season has to do with it's the, oh, no, the, no, no, Nazis. No. the, the Nazi ones. Yes. That yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I loved it where the ending, I don't want to give the ending away because there's a total thing. We have an episode I, and a half. We have an episode left or two episodes left. So, okay. I will tell you this, the, 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 the female, the Colonel. Mm-hmm. Okay. You find out who she is. I will tell you, I actually, I figured it out like halfway through the season. Yeah. And so I have some ideas too, but don't, don't ruin it. No, I won't ruin it. It's, I I will tell you it's, it's great. It sets up season two really, really well. It's fantastic. The show is not out yet, right? No, no, it's, it's, it's going to be a while because they didn't get into production before the, uh, the, the COVID. But But Hunters is great. We, we, like I said, we are on, we just finished episode eight last night. So, um, we're, Al Pacino is great. He's um, so good in it. One of the things I love about the show is the little sidebar commercials they do. Oh, they're great, aren't they? Yes, and they're very timely and racially motivated in a lot of the parts, so I really like it. Um, so that's really good. The other shows that I was I was thinking weird thing about is called Mind Hunters, and it's about the setup of the the FBI behavioral crime unit um, that uh, happened in the seventies. And they were searching for um, the whole first season is them talking to the co-ed killer who was out of Santa Cruz in the seventies. And they talked to him cause he's in jail already because they're trying to catch, I think they're trying to catch Bundy or something. I can't remember who they're trying to catch in the first season, Yeah, yeah. but inner space right at the beginning and end of every episode, they're seeing, we see little glimpses of the BTK killer getting ready to start his life of crime. Interesting. The BTK killer is the main protagonist or the main antagonist in the second season. That's cool. Set up because he wasn't even on their radar the entire first season, but you're just seeing little little snippets of the BTK killer and the people in the main story don't even know yet. Nice. So it's really good. I really recommend that show. That's really good. I think it's on Netflix, but I can't remember. Cool. Well, yeah. So that's that's what I've been watching mostly with my wife. Um, we really like those two shows. Um, I feel like there's something else we've been watching that I forgot about. We watched Trevor Noah and stuff like that too. And Dave, Dave, I've talked about too. That's yeah, really yeah. funny about that's, the, that's the white rapper. Show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, with the kids, we've been watching a bunch of stuff because we most nights that's where we're at. And um, we watched The Floor Is Lava recently. Dude, I, I haven't watched it yet, but I hear it's fantastic. It's unbelievable how bad and good it is it's it's not bad it's actually really addicting it's cute kind of um it's kind of cringy sometimes with like the folks they get but like but because they do the little interviews beforehand like right who we are and blah blah blah, which that's a little cringy sometimes but like once they get in there it's like you're rooting for these people to either fail or not and it's like it's really it's a it's a damn good show it's really cute um perfect for a family like 
competitive show to watch. So definitely check that out. Um, what else? We've been watching. We watched. We finished the most recent season of of the Dragon Prince, which is absolutely brilliant. Okay, uh, that show is so 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 good. I cannot say enough good things about that show. Um, but that's like there's third or fourth season, I believe, that we just finished. Um, we watched the Babysitters Club earlier in the week. Um, the reboot with um my childhood crush, um Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> she plays the mom. I used to have posters of her and stuff when I was a kid. Oh my god, dude, I loved her in Clueless and stuff. Um, and the uh, comer- uh the commercials, the music videos for Aerosmith, right? Remember? Right. Uh, yeah. but anyway, uh, it's really Tyler. cute. Yeah, and if you're looking for a show just to watch with the kids, um, it's very inclusive. It is um the storytelling is really well done. Um, it's cute. Uh, it's a it's a perfect show to watch with the family. Um, I think it's good, and it, and it obviously harkens back to the original books which i read and my sister read when we were kids so it's 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 cute uh and shira which is our current addiction um that's on netflix and that is damn freaking good we just started season two yesterday um if you haven't watched the reboot of shira you are definitely missing out so definitely do that you know what they need to do and this just popped into my head and this is if i was talking about inclusivity sorry uh shira does a really good job of all you know whether it be gender or sexuality or whatever that is they do a killer job um on inclusivity and friendship and all the things that like you know uh you know um we used to watch you know my little pony and stuff like that did really well but these are like human people and it's really good speaking of this did you hear about the interview that that uh um james gunn did this week because he uh you know james gunn does the Guardians, yeah, of, Guardians Galaxy of the Galaxy. Movies. Yeah. He's doing the the newest, uh, the reboot of, of Suicide Squad. But what a lot of people don't know is he wrote the scripts for the uh, first two Scooby Doo live action movies. Oh, did he really? He did, and he wrote the script as Velma being gay. Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah, and that huh? the the studio just like every just editor, every edit down. kept watering it down, and then in, in the second movie made her get a boyfriend. But right. he came out and said, "Nope." I wrote Velma as being a lesbian and I'm like, that's awesome. Cause you always thought it. Well, and, and I, I don't know. And whether the original creator had that in mind or not, but I mean, you just assumed, you know, and none of us had a problem with it. No, not at all. So exactly. So, so that was, that was it. But do you remember the Christopher Pike books? Like Chain Letter and Slumber Party, they were all like Martin. Yeah, but I didn't read them because I was a oh, little wussy when I. They were they were fantastic, them. right? They were like they were uh, the they were a step above the Fear Street R.L. Stein books. Yeah, okay. Because they're much more about whereas Fear Street and R.L. Stein were about teenagers, they were about like asexual teenagers, right? Okay. Whereas yeah. the Christopher Pike books, they were about teenagers that you knew like got down and did drugs yeah. and, and everything, but it still put them in the same sort of scary supernatural circumstances. Right. If somebody were to option those right now for mini series on Netflix or something, like if you did like a little eight episode series by each book or did a movie that could totally work, totally work. I, and oh. I just, I'm throwing that in the world right now that that needs to happen. Sounds good. All right. What have you been watching? What I've been watching is there's a great new um, documentary that just came out called The Greatness Code, and it's seven episodes, and it's about each episode is about an athlete and a specific instance of their greatness and what they how they got to that point. 
right? Wow. And like, and how it's kind of affected them. And the cool thing is, is there's seven episodes, and they all range between like five and seven minutes. They're all really oh, short. Really? The part animation, okay. part interview, and like one is um, LeBron talking about Game Six in one of his uh, series, right? Another one is Tom Brady in a comeback game. Um, you, know, you have no brainers like that, but it also has Kelly Slater, who's a five-time world champion surfer, and it's his fifth championship, which which shouldn't have happened. And it's Sean White when he got his his perfect score at the U.S. Olympic Trials a few years ago. Another one is Kitty Ledecky, the swimmer, when she came out of nowhere at the age of fifteen to break some world records, stuff like that. It's like all these That's different cool. things, and they're really really good. And they're all like I watched all seven episodes in under an hour. Yeah, nice. And so I, I highly recommend it. It's in Plex. I think it's on Netflix. I can't remember where it's based out of. Um, but talking about Amazon, um, I decided to have a Jack Ryan marathon. I can't. And, this is the next thing I'm going to try to get my wife to watch. We watched the first season and loved it. And I okay. really want to watch the second. Um, well, I didn't watch just the shows. I watched all the Jack Ryan movies. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> so, like, I watched Humphrey October with Alec Baldwin. I watched no, Patriot I Games and. So and uh, uh, clear and present danger with Harrison Ford. I watched some of all fears of Ben Affleck, and I watched Shadow Recruit with Chris Pine because they've rebooted it so many times. Yeah, and I was just I, talking about the TV show. Yeah, and then I watched both seasons of the TV show with John Krasinski, and I'd watched the first season before, but I wanted to rewatch it before I watched the second season. So I watched the first season, and I fell in love with Abby Cornish as yeah. um, Kathy Muller, who's his girlfriend, right? Because so Kathy good. Muller is played by somebody big in like all the different series, right? In the the Shadow Recruiter, she she was played by uh, Keira Knightley really really well. In Some of All Fears, she was played by Bridget Moynihan. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on the actress who played her in the movies with Harrison Ford. I can see her, but Archer I think is her last name. But I'm drawing a blank. But what drives me nuts is the second season doesn't even mention the character. She's not in it at all. Really? That's too but bad. The, but the thing is, is where it's like the first season takes course over like a month or two and you could kind of see the beginning of their relationships. The whole second season takes place in a matter of less than a week. Oh, wow. And so it could just be, and it's all out of country. So it could just be that he's on a mission and, and just not, not dealing with any Although of that. He does sleep with another character, but it, I would like to see if they do when they do a season three that she come back and they yeah. actually they have to reference the fact that she wasn't mentioned in season two, but I'm sure it was just like a I don't know the because Abby Cornish is great, yeah she is, and so I really liked Jack Ryan. The second season was really really good. Um, I've been addicted to the Titan Games, which is the uh, sports uh, show with The Rock, uh-huh. okay. and it was really good because in the uh, the first season. Um, he just brought in a whole bunch of people that like had inspirational stories and they battled against each other. What he did this year is he already had predetermined Titans and it had like Victor Cruz from the New York giants. It had, um, uh, 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 Jesse, uh, Graf from, um, uh, Ninja warrior, all these different people, right? A couple of, uh, Olympic gold medalists and, and what it is is like the you had the inspirational people battle against each other and then battle against the the predetermined titans for the title, right? And he's actually put it into geographic barriers, uh, ge- geographic regions, and it's really entertaining to watch because you see these people like there's this one guy who I just watched in the most recent season who he literally he's a high school teacher. He calls himself Country Strong. He's from like South Carolina, and he's 
a chubby little guy, right? But you could see he's got like muscle under. My dad used to say underneath these mounds of fat lay bands of steel, which always <laughs> cracked me up. Um, but with this guy, it's like you see him working out on the tractor and everything. And yeah, he's got some thing and he just like pummels the guy he's against. And then oh, he wow. goes up against a UFC fighter in the final and blows him away. Wow. And the UFC fighter says like, I could go and fight a UFC match right now, but I cannot match up with this guy right now at this particular <laughs> event because it is insane. Yeah. And it's, it's really kind of cool. And like some of the people, they, uh, one person that won the, the Western region is a vintner. Oh, wow. That's uh, crazy. Exactly. So it's really, really kind of cool. So I really dug that. And then of course I've been watching the misery index. Have you, you don't watch the misery index? No, I don't watch the misery index. Oh, you have to watch the misery index. You didn't watch Tiger King, so. Oh no, this is much better than Tiger King. Yeah, of the course. Game, no, this is a game show that has the tender. Watch very many game shows. Has the tender lungs in it? No, I I hear you. The Impractical Jokers. I know who they are, but I'm saying there's probably no scenario I watch this. But go ahead. So basically, what it is is they get two people, and then each uh, two contestants, and each contestant has two of the tenderloins on their team. Right, and it's usually set up with Q and Joe on one team and Sal and Murr on another team. Right, and what it is is it's hosted by Jamil Jamil, who's uh, from oh, I love the her. Good Place. I love her. So <laughs> She's hilarious on this. But what it does is it shows painful videos from the internet. Right, that's why I can't watch it. You know, I don't. No. You know how I am with that stuff. But it's not necessarily. It, well, it doesn't always show videos, and it's not always pain. Right. But it's it's called the misery because it's a misery set. That's the the board they showed on. It's called the Traumatron, and basically they have these things that happen, and they get a panel of judges, a panel of experts like doctors that would say, okay, how traumatizing is it? How painful is it? And how mentally taxing is it? Right. And those are the three things, and it's on a scale of one to a hundred. And then it says, here's this thing. You've got to gauge this other thing against it. And so it's you kind of comparing these miserable things that happen, right? That sounds, it sounds really interesting. It's really funny, but the thing is, is that the tenderloins are hilarious in it, and oh, usually at least one of the things in each episode is one of the punishments that they had to go through. Oh, of course it is, and yeah, it shows how sense. they would be compared to what they've had to go through and stuff like that. And so, it, it just watch an episode; it's really, really good. Cool. Um, we're running a little long, but I did want to throw out there that hunger games is something else that we watch with the kids. The first two, um, I've been kind of fighting to see how that would go because I want to watch some stuff like that with the kids because I'm how getting a little they react older. To um, they've, but again, they've seen all the Marvel movies they've seen, you know, it, it's like, it wasn't traumatizing or anything. They okay. were, they were okay. I mean, you know, my wife was crying. I was crying, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, no, but I, 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 I want to get to the, I mean, I feel like if we've watched all the star Wars movies and we've watched, you know, uh, you know, the Marvel stuff, I'd like to watch some of these other things like the hunger games and stuff with that have to do yeah. with kids, but like, you know, more dystopian kind of big Epic stuff, but you know, we're working our way up to it. Yeah. You um, want to get them used to a, a traumatizing society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, because look where we're at. It's 2020. Exactly. After all. <laughs> all right. We don't have a lot about a lot to talk about movies, um, but there were three major movies that got released uh, to streaming in the last couple of weeks. Uh, one is Hamilton. Yep. Um, which I loved. I mean, I love the musical. Uh, the only way I've seen it because I've been able to see it on stage is I've been able to watch a a, 
uh, bootleg version or something. Yeah, let's say a bootleg version from Broadway, which I got lucky. It actually had the original cast, so um, I actually was able to see what the original cast. Well, now I've been able to see the the last show that the original cast all did together from 2016 is what they filmed. They filmed it over three days, um, so that was really good. I think this is actually going to be able to go up for Oscars. So I think that's why they released it this year. Makes because sense. They, they knew. That, yeah. So, so that's it. I also, uh, there's a new Charlize Theron movie called the old guard, which is totally your type of movie. Mm-hmm. It's about these four people that are immortals that have like found each other throughout the millennia. Oh, I've heard about this and it's based on a graphic novel and cool. it's really, really good. And it totally sets up a world building and there's going to be a sequel and all that stuff. And then uh, Tom Hanks doesn't direct a lot of stuff. He's directed a couple of episodes of like from the earth to the moon and band of brothers and stuff like that. But he, the only feature I remember him directing was that thing you do. Mm-hmm. Well, he just directed a, a oh, feature. I really love that movie. I was oh, thinking about that the other day. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, that's something you should. Okay. If you, that's something you should show for your, for your kids. But if you do, you have to get the extended version because in the extended version, it's like 20 minutes longer, mm-hmm. but it has a whole scene that explains that the Tom Hanks character is gay. Oh really? Okay. And, he has, and there's a whole scene where you see him with his his partner, and his partner's played by Howie Long. Okay, nice. And so it's it's really it, it brings Howie Long much, really. Yeah, good. It's because there's this whole scene where like he um, shows up at the hotel, uh, and they're about to go out to like a red a black tie affair, and mm-hmm. um, they had to get one of the guys back to the hotel because he's drunk or something like that. Yeah. And so anyway, so it was a really cute little scene, and. Um, I really love it. So we'll definitely watch it with that one because it's much more inclusive. Cool. Um, but he just came out with a new movie called Greyhound, which is on Apple Plus. Um, and it's about World War II, and he's the captain of a ship that's trying to get past U-boats. So, And that's been huge on Apple Plus this week. So those are movies. We you know we don't get a lot of major releases, but those are the major things that have come out. What have we, what have we been playing? Uh, we actually played Sword Tour together a couple weeks ago. We did, and we really need to do it again. Because yeah. short short version is it went well for you, and not so much for me. <laughs> well, it ended up well for me. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was the we did three bugged runs of the final run of the uh, um, secret droid mission. Uh, the the secret droid mission, or the secret droid? No, it was the uh, micro binoculars. Was it the yeah. secret droid? Yeah, it was secret the secret. Yeah. yeah, the the secret droid. Yeah. And so we did that one, and like we tried it, we both got it didn't work out. And then we did it again and you got it, but then I didn't. So we did it a third time and I got We're talking it. about the rewards here. The rewards. Yeah. The rewards. It didn't, yeah so um, quest completion. Yeah. So I, I got the quest completion. So we got to do it again for Marshall. Um, well, and I put in a bug report after that. Cause I was like, oh, can yeah, you just give me the rewards? Cause you could see I've done it. And they said, well, we can't really, but it, we, they suggested me do it by myself and see what happens. So I'm like, Oh, fine. But I haven't done it. Well, see, I couldn't get through it by myself. That's why I had to have you come in. I know. I know why I was there. I could do it by myself. I just never have. So I'm going to try it, and I'll let you know. All right. Um, so I created a new character for myself, and it's I, I created it in a way that I've never really done before. Is I don't usually do dark side characters. And the ones that I have done have been imperial characters. And so it makes sense that they're dark side, right? Well, I created a Nautilin gunslinger dark side. Nice. And so I'm seeing a whole bunch of cutscenes that I'd never seen before. Right. So like the gunslinger starts out on Ord Mantell and I let those kids die. It was so hard. Oh no, that's easy. No, it was hard, dude. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying to tell you the doctor, F you, I'm going to, you know, 
knock you out and just take you with me and leave these kids to die. And I'm uh, like, it'll be fine. So it's weird. <laughs> so I'm having a hard time with that. Um, I've done I've, both sides. Uh, I play the Republic side and I've, I've done dark, dark side. I've done light and dark's more fun. Just see what happens. Who cares? It, it is. So it's just, I've never done dark side Republic before. And so yeah. that's what I'm doing now. Um, I, I finally sold my hover chair for 40 million credits. Good on you. Which is perfect right before the nightlife event because I still have not ever gotten the rancor. Well, and maybe now, this is your time. Well, and the thing is, now you can't even get it from the machines anymore. You can only buy it from the vendor, yeah. and it's thirty gold certificates, right? And so I had, right. I had, I think four gold certificates coming into this event that I saved from last year, right? Because I try every year, and um, so I said, okay, I took seven and a half million credits because I now have the credits. And I bought a hundred of those, um, of those king, more the king under, tokens or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, the king tokens. And the cool thing is, they now have like little mini uh, quests that you can do. That's cool. So that's what I'm doing now as well. So the thing is, so now I've got to get thirty of those gold certificates, and with the seven point five million, I got twelve. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I do. I really just want to try to sink in another 10 million credits to try to get the the, the other four. Honestly, range. originally that's what I did in order to get the rank. Where I had so many credits, I just kept going until I got what I wanted. Or do I just want to see if it's available? I want to see if it's available on the GTN for maybe five uh, million credits or. It'll be way more than that, but yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna after after we record this, I'm gonna jump on really quick and see what I can do if not that i might just put another 10 million in and see what i can get well good luck uh, man yeah so actually uh, the reason i brought that up is because uh so Teresa mentioned it on that she was going to be doing the nightlife event and i said i still need to get the damn rancor from the first nightlife event and this guy said i hate the rancor i'll give you mine and i said no <laughs> i've got to earn it <laughs> and so that's awesome all right so what have you been playing on pc and console marshall uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff, uh, actually, um, Marvel Alliance, ultimate Alliance three, the black order I bought, um, around, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was father's day around there. I bought that, um, for the four of us to play and it was a lot of fun. Um, we would like to go back to it. It's just a beat em up Marvel universe, ton of fun. Um, I've been playing city skylines, which I love still. And Civ six has a new frontier pass where they have new content coming out. New leaders you can have, Ethiopia, not Ethiopia. Uh, yeah, Ethiopia is coming out tomorrow, which is really cool. Is um, it mean? <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Uh, so there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff in that game, which I love. And then I've been playing a ton of Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I bought that the other day to treat myself. Is that and the most recent one? That's the most recent one. And it's ancient Greece. And I'm you can drive... A, you know, get in a boat and, and kill pirates. You can get on land and do all this cool stuff and you get Spartan kicks and cool arrow techniques and it's badass and super fun and addicting. And I love everything about it. And I've been playing it constantly for days, days. So, okay. You know, I, I might try to get back into Assassin's Creed because when I first played for the Assassin's Creed, it was just a couple of years ago and I started with the first ones and it's just, it wasn't, the gameplay wasn't good enough for me. So I think I might just start with a more recent one yeah, and see the, how the gameplay in Odyssey is brilliant. It's there's tons of stuff you can do. There's, you know, you can hunt down cultists, you can hunt down mercenaries, you can, um, you basically could side with the Spartans or the Athenians. And like, there's all kinds of cool history and, and uh, stuff like that too. And of course the grinding quest where you go fetch things and, 
kill people, but it's it's the animations and the and I've been using my Xbox controller I bought. Okay. Uh and that is leaps and bounds better for these type of games and it's so much fun. Um, okay. so I've been having a blast. So um I started playing actually I purchased Civ Six um on Steam. So I played Civ Six for a while. Ooh, did um, you? I did, and it is much more intricate than Civ Two. <laughs> oh dude. Civ Six is ridiculously good. There, Actually, is, I think Civ Four was the most convoluted, complicated. Civ Six streamlined things a bit. Yeah, Civ Six because really I've tried nice. Civ Four. I never tried Civ Five. Yeah, Civ Six was is much easier than Civ Four. I do like a couple of things you could do. Like you could send um, out to you can send characters out to explore, and so you can just like say explore, and it just goes explores all the empty parts of the map, and yeah. only pops up if it like encounters somebody. And I'm like that's something that they needed in Civ two. And I'm, I'm glad they have it. Um, I, I played Tomb Raider for quite a while. Um, I'm, I took, I've been taking like a break from it for like the last month or so, but I should really go back to that. Um, other than that, on mobile, I played Jedi Fallen Order too the other day. Again, I started that over again. That was kind of that. It's pretty fun. Okay. But. Um, I, on my mobile, I, I went back to Marvel puzzle quest. I mean, I've, I've always played it like on a daily basis just to get to the rewards. But we passed off the the alliance that I started on there to John Skeen, our drinking buddy. And um, he's a very good recruiter on there, right? He actually kicks off the people that don't play. He brings in new recruits all the time. He's very aware of the alliance events, and he brings us in, which is really good. You should pay attention when he messages us um, because it's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, So the funny <laughs> thing is, is my brother who – uh, is probably the most active person on Marvel Puzzle Quest besides John, uh, and then I'm probably a close third after that. Uh, he never wins the the events because Skeen always wins them, and I'm convinced it's because Skeen's on the well, he's in Indiana, but he's you know on the East Coast. And right. my brother's like my brother sets alarms for when the thing should the timers enter and out so he can go in there and do it again and stuff, right? And he always finishes second to Skeen. And he's like, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to win. Also, I said, okay, I'm going to play really hardcore this time too. I felt bad because my brother finished third because I got second. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's good. And, and I was the first one to max progression. And, oh, that's uh, and it, so it was pretty funny. But uh, just a big shout out to Skeen because he, did, uh, he does a good job on there. And I've been playing a lot of Disney Heroes Battle Mode, uh, which is very similar to Galaxy of Heroes. But the streamlined mini... Uh, like the daily things you've got to do every day is much more streamlined and easier to do. And cool. so it's a much easier game to play than galaxy of heroes. And they add more characters all the time. And uh, like they just added um, uh, Jamba from uh, Lilo and stitch and Mr. Cool. Bleaky from Lilo and stitch. Um, I'm actually creating a really strong team of, of beating the beast characters. I've got bell beast and Gaston all in like my top five and they're all kicking butt together because they all build cool. off each other. And so it's really kind of cool that you can do that. And uh, it's a fun game. And so that's what I've been playing. Cool. Uh, let's get some. Merchandise this out. Yeah. Let's what get some merchandise out of there really quick. I bought a, a D 23 exclusive pin set. This should be coming on its way soon. It was about 50 bucks, but it's, and it's only four pins, but I had a really cool cherry tree lane pin of the, the Mary Poppins address. And I had a really cool pin for Cuscotopia. So oh, nice. So That's I had to cool. get that. There's two more pins. One is from Zootopia and another one's from another movie, but it's all about locations. And That's so that cool. was cool. And then this next one's all you buddy. Yeah. So, um, recently announced, uh, I think last week, uh, is that Ernest Klein is coming out with his sequel to his, uh, 
debut novel, uh, Ready Player One, and he's coming out with Ready Player Two. And about I believe time. it's slated for November. November. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I personally love the first book. I taught it to my students. It was one of the only books I can get my seniors to read. So I'm definitely going to check it out either way and, uh, you know, see how it goes. And like I said, if, if I really like it, it'll end up, uh, on my other podcast, just keep writing at some point. Yeah. They need to have Will Wheaton read the, the audio version. Oh, he did the first one. I a hundred percent guarantee he'll do the second one. Yeah. So I haven't looked on Audible yet, but if he's done the first one, they're going to get him back. I guarantee it. All right. So as we talked about earlier, um, a whole bunch of conventions are going to uh, virtual conventions, and the big daddy of them all isn't any different. So starting on July 22nd through July 26th, Comic-Con is going Comic-Con at home. And so we'll see how that is. I know you're going to be out of um, area at that time. Yeah, we we usually do this trip off the grid the following week because of Comic-Con. Um, but because of the uncertainty with school and everything else, we've decided to do it uh, actually just in a few days from now. And I'll be off the grid for Comic-Con at home. So you'll have to let me know how it goes if you participate. Um, we're guaranteed because they shifted the event to virtual. Um, we're guaranteed to have our press passes for 2021. So, I mean, I've done a lot of virtual conventions and stuff in the last few weeks. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not losing any sleep over missing Comic-Con, if I'm being honest. <laughs> No, and I actually I've I've been doing more event stuff uh, online, but I haven't done much convention stuff. Like I've got I've done a couple of uh, um, book readings through like uh, Simon Schuster and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, uh, author readings and stuff like that. But I haven't done any conventions, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. Uh, I'm gonna do a little research this weekend before we get into it next week, and I'm gonna see what sort of uh, uh, what their timeline is looking like, so I can kind of plan out what I need to do. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll definitely do a, a recording after Comic-Con and, and when you get back and we'll talk about what I, what I discovered. Yeah, man. Let me know how it goes. I'll be, uh, sitting by the river, uh, doing some writing and reading some books. So word homie. <laughs> All right. So are we good? We're good. Thanks for tuning into the usual podcast. Uh, you can find us at the usual podcast.com emails at the usual podcast at gmail.com. And of course, on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, what else? Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Just kidding. Uh, I had to throw Google Play in there. Is that not a thing anymore, right? <laughs> Google Play is Google Plus is not. Right, Google Plus. Okay, whatever. Um, but find us on your favorite podcatchers, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and the rest. I'm at Darth Pops on Twitter. Will can be found at I am Will Griggs. Um, and support the, support the show, patreon.com slash usual podcast. Uh, that's the best way to do it. I promise we will at least get one episode up per month. And I do have some ideas for some bonus content as well. So uh, keep an eye on that. And other than that, my friend, I think we're, uh, I think we got our episode in the books. Anything for the people? Um, yeah, absolutely. You just got to make sure you stay safe, stay sane, be healthy, and have a fun. Uh, have a fun, wear a mask, and we'll see you all next time. Peace. <laughs>